0: Hit
1: it. Ooh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, oh, oh. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com.
0: Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And
1: I'm Lloyd Hughes.
0: Today's film is Everest. It's, uh, based loosely on, uh, well, many novels, really. Uh, the one that I've read is called, um, Into Thin Air by John Krakauer, who is also portrayed in the film. There are multiple novels that the, the, uh, you know, accounts of the 1996 Everest climb, you know, form this story. If you are unaware of the events or don't like spoilers, we will be getting into details of Everest. Please check the film out before listening to this podcast.
1: Human beings simply aren't built to function at the cruising altitude of a 747. Everest is without doubt the most dangerous place on earth. Don't do that to me again, right? You make it, eh? okay? Yeah. I wish I was with you. One day, you, me, and that little Sarah will all go climbing together. It hurts. It's
0: dangerous. Whoa! Whoa! Hey, we gotta hold on. You're
1: right, Joe. Good. Okay. All right, steady up. Woo! I For gotta
0: sure. ask the question, you know I do. Why? I have kids. They see a regular guy can follow impossible dreams. Maybe they'll do the same.
1: Uh, I'm in the top of Everest, Helen, we made it! <laughs> Alright guys, time to go home!
0: The novel was really full on. I read it a few years ago, uh, Into Thin Air, and um, it just, it gave an ultimate respect, really, for um, the climbing and everyone who attempts it, but I came away from the novel just thinking I would never ever do this because I would definitely be one of the people that died. It was horrendous. Having not read the novel, did you go in thinking anything in particular or did you not have any idea of the I events? had no
1: idea of the ending. I seriously thought there was another hour left on the film. I was like, man, he's going to have to muscle his way out. I'm I'm speaking specifically of Jason Clark's character and how he Rob stuck Hall. up there. Yeah. And the whole film is like built up like a standard um, disaster movie where it introduces you to the main character. He's got this wife at home who's pregnant. Oh, you know he's definitely going to survive... And it just ends. And I'm just like, what? You know, because I didn't know anything about this movie. I I didn't read the books or anything. So I walked away from this film with a huge impression. Like, I really liked it. It's It's just a bare bones man on a mission movie. You have these group of guys that try to climb a mountain. A storm comes, they get stuck, and a few die. And that's it. And that's what I liked about it.
0: And it's obviously based on a true story. That's the first thing you see when the film begins. It's getting Oscar buzz. It's got a good box office return. It's only $55 million budget. Probably make a lot more than that. It has lots of uh, positive TV and marketing. It's really getting a push from... Um, I think it's universal, but I'm not 100% sure.
1: Did you see this in 3D?
0: I did not, no. no did me, you?
1: Me either. I saw it at Hoyt's Extreme screen. Very big you know their biggest screen they got there and it was such a treat it was really good and I I really wish I did see this in 3D especially when it showed all the crevices and things like that when they're on the edge of them Everest it looked terrifying and I think it would have been heavily amplified much in the same vein like gravity unfortunately I didn't see in 3D as well and it's just like gosh I miss two great movies that you should probably watch in 3D so yeah
0: this, um, this is a conversation we have a lot on this podcast, whether or not 3D is okay. I mean, uh, yeah, look, I, I did genuinely want to see Everest in 3D. It's just the sessions didn't line up, so couldn't this time. But I hear it's, you know, getting good results in IMAX as well. I'm and-
1: definitely going to see The Walk. Um, that was a trailer that played prior to Everest, um, when I watched it. And that's got, uh, shot by, directed by Robert Zemeckis and it's in, um, 3D in, um, You know shot for IMAX or something like that so I just want another 3d experience the best 3d experience I've had in recent memory is Pacific Rim and that wasn't even shot in 3d that was all post-rendered and Guillermo del Toro talks in the audio commentary of that how hard he worked and like he tried really hard to shoot 3d And he didn't like it at all, but then in post-production he really pushed The guys, um, he goes, I really hope this is a great 3D experience. Because I remember coming out of the movies going, man, that's probably the best 3D movie I've ever seen. And I was so disappointed finding out he didn't even shoot it in 3D. So I was like, oh.
0: (laughs) I saw the trailer for The Walk as well. I was just wondering, do you think it maybe gave away too much of the story? Because I kind of felt that way. You know, I also saw uh, Ron Howard's teamed up with Chris Hemsworth. I know,
1: I can't wait for that because I'm a big fan of Moby Dick, the book. Uh, I I conquered that book finally in my early to mid-twenties. And I've met people that have read Moby Dick in primary school. I'm like, oh, surely you couldn't have read the the full version had to be an abridged version because I struggle through. It's one of the hardest books I've ever read. There's a whole chapter in there dedicated to how white the whale is, you know? So I've always wanted to see Moby Dick with this modern technology, sort of like, um, you know, how game of Thrones and, um, Lord of the Rings have got like this great technology and great artisans all, um, you know, recreating the fantasy or medieval genre. I want to see the same thing with, um, you know uh, with Moby Dick like have we got Pirates of the Caribbean that sort of style and I think the closest thing I'll get is the, uh, is that Ron Howard movie
0: it's called In the Heart of the Sea I think and I mean I was just fascinated because of the whole re-team of uh, Hemsworth and and Ron Howard Since you know Rush
1: we, you guys should definitely check out that podcast we thought we talked so enthusiastically about that movie
0: and when I was watching it I was thinking more and more we're we're tackling like directors on this podcast you know not necessarily the films we're sort of we're following kind of storylines of directors and that's sort of why we tackled um ryan gosling's directorial debut you know um joseph gordon levitt's directorial debut i sort of think we're we're sort of focusing on storytellers which i like well let's jump back to everest i don't want to i don't want to keep people waiting if i have to uh you know talk about trailers we'll be here all day i did want to see it in 3d like i said the novel was really full-on I think this has a really great cast, um, and that's initially what drew me to it. I talked recently on this, well not recently, on this podcast about uh, upcoming movies I was looking forward to, and Everest was one of them. It was not only based on the book I'd read, uh, among other books, it was it was the cast that really stood out to me. I
1: can't remember when you said that on the upcoming podcast, was Christian Bale still attached to it, or was J- Jason Clarke in the lead as the, as the main role?
0: I don't think Christian Bale was attached at that stage. I did read that he was um, due to be in the podcast. Uh, sorry, in the film. It's interesting, like, people sort of joke about how he was John Connor and Jason Clark was also John Connor. I, I really didn't like Jason Clark's John Connor. Um, no, from yeah, Terminator. And,
1: and you guys should definitely check out that podcast as well. That was a really good one because we talk about the whole Terminator franchise.
0: But I really liked Jason Clark in Everest, which... I thought was interesting. I like- love
1: Jason Clarke in um the Planet of the Apes movie. I always get him confused which one's which. I think it's Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um he played one of the main guys there and I I think he's terrific. He was also in Public Enemies directed by Michael Mann and he played a really good role there. Um, as well so I, I think he's a fantastic Australian actor on the rise and it's so shocking to see him in movies like how rapid his rise has been like you see Everest, Jake Gyllenhaal, um, Keira Knightley you know all all, all these great actors um, and his name is attached like automatically he's just there with them now you know and and you got Sam Worthington who preceded him um, he's just in the background now. He's no longer that star power, I guess, because uh, the Avatar train sort of is over with him.
0: Interestingly, um, I'm doing this podcast from Melbourne, Lloyd's in Canberra, and uh, the weather in Melbourne is really picking up right now, which is creating a bit of atmosphere, no doubt, for listeners. Um, of Everest. Oh, <laughs> of Everest, yeah. It was funny because actually I um I came home from the movie and... All well, I was getting in the car, and it was really, really, really windy, uh, which you know created this kind of after effect from the film. And then when I got home, my daughter asked me to get her tent down and pop her tent, and so there was like this whole you know uh, lasting effect of the film. It was really weird, just you know popping a tent and being like, you know, we got to get to base camp and just <laughs> mucking around really. But John Krakauer's book Into Thin Air. The few things I remember about it that really stood out. Um, one was after he got to the top, which is portrayed in this film, goes straight back to the tent and collapses through exhaustion and you sort of, uh, they revisit him, you know, after some people have been in trouble and they need help and they open the tent and he's kind of passed out in there and he's like, oh, I'm snow blind or whatever, right? That really stood out to me because all the accounts, he retells all this, uh, what happened to everybody else in the story, but from his point of view like his first person account is that he went back to the tent and collapsed and then he got everything told to him later like it really kind of stood out to me like how he had to go and find out what happened to everybody because by the time he woke up some people were already dead or missing the other one that was just haunting and i remember stopping reading the book you know talking to my wife about it was when they had the um satellite phone and then they had that lined up with the uh, radio and they kind of patched her through to like him dying up at the top and i was just like very haunted by that i stopped reading and i was just telling tess about it and just saying oh everest sounds horrible and just like you know it was a very kind of visceral experience i suppose reading the book
1: how was that uh, compared to the film that specifically that scene
0: well i realized a little bit before it was happening it all sort of it clicked back to me and I was like, oh, I remember exactly what's about to happen and, like, um, I, I had remembered sort of who lives and dies so I sort of knew sort of the uh, the bones of the story um, just going into it. But I suppose I had forgotten, actually, that Beck Weathers survived, the Josh Brolin character. So then when he got up afterwards and sort of just kind of walks himself back and it's like a bit of a miracle i was like oh yeah you know but at the time i was like oh that's right Uh, who
1: who wrote the story was it josh brolin who wrote this the book or was it um the reporter
0: or the the reporter turned his article into a book called into thin air but since then there have been multiple books written about the 1996 everest climb josh brolin's character wrote one as well as one of the doctors up there wrote one and one of the russian people wrote one so all of those stories have contributed to this film i see yep. uh, when i first talked about it on the upcoming films podcast i did think it was just based on the one i'd read uh, i hadn't investigated at the time but um it's based on quite a few and so you sort of get a few different accounts and uh, i mean that's probably better makes it all uh, more authentic it's interesting to me that everyone's bodies are literally dying when you're climbing everest that sounds horrendous to me and uh, it's sort of described that way in the book as well
1: why do they do it dave because it's there
0: (laughs) (laughs) obviously that's not the only reason i mean there's it's kind of a glory thing like you know why would you want to go to the moon you know so few people have done it you'll be one of so so few, you know.
1: If we actually indeed landed on the moon, no, I'm just kidding. I don't. I don't <laughs> want to go. Uh, open up that rabbit hole. <laughs> it's, it's a
0: whole another podcast, yeah. isn't it? At the flying altitude of what is a 747 or something, just you know that you could be up there. I suppose the beauty was kind of captured in this film.
1: Yeah, the photography is absolutely fantastic in this movie. It that that's like again. I, I I'm really curious to see this in 3D if that is even amplified anymore. I don't think. I don't think it would be because uh, the beauty of it is just absolutely magnificent the the photography and I think the director who I've only seen one film of his two guns um if I'm pronouncing his name correctly Baltasar Cormacur, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly um he I think was given this project and I'm really impressed with how much maturity and um you know craftsmanship he came on board with this film because just from two guns it seems like this you know really typical hollywood action movie and then you know when i saw his name attach to everest after seeing everest i'm like that guy directed this movie this movie is really you know demands a lot from a director you know it's like a you need a ron howard to really get this movie across but he did a great job absolutely fantastic and the screenwriters are uh, one of them i think did 127 hours i think if, if that's that's a movie where he cuts off his arm. Is that right? It is, I, yeah. I can't bring myself to watch that movie. Uh, every time people go, no, you should check it out. It's about this. I'm just like, why would I watch two hours? <laughs> you know, I'm not that much of a massacres. Um, and I think they tried really hard to do everything a disaster movie isn't supposed to do. Um, you know, that... the. I've seen a lot of disaster movies, but the one that just keeps coming to my mind is Twister, like, over and over again, and everyone hates Twister, and I absolutely love that movie. But I have to compare this movie's mindset to, like, the uh, action or disaster movies of the 70s, uh, late 60s and and 70s, where you just... I I guess the rules weren't created then, and people just die, you know, and and everything like that. Like, Dirty Dozen... Um, you, you feel for like it it throws you all these characters and then as they die off when they get to the chateau they're fighting the germans at the end and a, f- a few of them are killed off you feel for each one just dying off you're like oh i the only issue i had with everest was that i didn't get that as much and i think because it, the movie is very crowded with these great great characters portrayed by these great actors and the movie just doesn't have enough time for you to get to know them or it doesn't allow you that much time because when jake gyllenhaal appeal appears and i was like oh man what a cool character you know you're getting a little bit of his backstory and it's all exhibited like in his costume and the way he acts the way he talks but you just don't get to know enough about him the russian character um who doesn't get any doesn't need any oxygen um when he goes up to the top of uh, mount um of everest you know or the south african that goes back to save um to try and save um uh jason clark i barely know any of those characters so when they died off i was uh, you know it just wasn't as much of an impact uh, as the characters that died off in the dirty dozen for me and i think that's largely because the movie just didn't give you that time to get to know them
0: I gotta say I really enjoyed Everest, but I also think that's because I read the book.
1: Yeah, so you know a lot of the backstory.
0: Yeah, and did did you think Doug the Postman, played by John Hawks, his death was dramatic? Like he doesn't clip himself on, he gets told to stay there waiting, and then as he starts to move he just falls off. It was
1: sad. Yeah, but I I only knew Josh Brolin, Jason Clark, and um and that character Doug, well. That they're the only characters I felt like I knew well. And I think the director did a really good job casting these top of the line actors because you, he, I think he knew that you were only going to see these characters, these, um, you weren't going to see everything about these characters. So he relied so much on the actors to bring so much life on screen. But I, I just don't think that was enough. I think we needed just a little bit more talk on their backstory, maybe a little just. You know, just to get to know them, to differentiate them, because there was a point where I was like, going, okay, the Asian girl I think has a yellow jacket, you know what I mean? And when I only knew she died, she didn't make it back to the um, the tents. Was when Josh Brolin stands up and you see the her, the girl's arm stiffen, like, you know, obviously she's dead on the snow. I'm like, oh, so the Asian girl didn't make it back, you know, just got a bit confused and confusing amidst the blizzard of the um, ice storm.
0: I suppose, yeah, they're all dressed, you know, face-blocking masks and everything. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal did have a recognisable beanie. It said Mount Everest, 1996. Kind of relying on them removing their masks and talking on the radios to sort of remember who they are. Yeah, that I remember before it happened as well, the Japanese woman you mentioned, you know, not making it. And I was just like, oh, that's right. And that moment where Rob Hall, who's played by Jason Clarke, says, I'm so proud of you, you know. Uh, I was like, oh, it's sort of everything leading up to them getting to the, to the top. Um, it swells with this, you know, music and pride. And I got really emotional when they made it and it was like, great. But also because I knew how many of them were about to die. I think that affected me more. The um, the phone call with Kira Knightley was huge though. I thought they really nailed that scene. It was probably one of my favorites, just the emotional weight of the pregnant woman at home and the you know, husband who's definitely not coming back. Um, you
1: see, I didn't know he was not coming back the whole yeah. time. I was just like, he's going to make it. You know, she goes, get up, you got to move. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's going to move, you know. <laughs> and then it, it, the movie just ends with him resting on the edge of the, the mountain. And then we just get these photographs saying, oh, these people passed away. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> this is so sad. <laughs>
0: You would think, and I know this is, you know, someone who's never climbed anything before, you know, (laughs) worth mentioning, you would think that it'd be easier to climb down, like it would almost be like muscle memory, but it's the exhaustion, it must be the the height and they mention the whole you know your body's dying yeah your, your
1: body's literally dying as it's going up there and you know you just got to reach a point and how can they even enjoy that view they're so light-headed they can't even like their visions going and everything like that they're like zombies marching up the mountain just like really are you gonna notice much like it's okay for the sherpas who are absolutely monsters are doing it you know and um jason clark who is phenomenal and that russian who doesn't even need oxygen you know they might enjoy it because they're so used to it but all the others man oh gosh and they i love it how you hear the brief payment like oh, I'm, I'm assuming you're gonna have to double that because this is not we're talking 996 prices but 65k to go up the mountain oh geez i'm assuming it's costing close to 100k now you know <laughs> if if in fact they still do this
0: uh, they do it's um you know there are two ways to everest, I think, and one of them is through tibet. and You have to buy licenses every year and it it's a big source of income for the country uh because of the amount of people who come to climb but another thing that from the book that got me was how many bodies are still left up there because there's no way of bringing them down. you know people aren't going up to bring bodies back down, and there's a whole thing about garbage up there as well, which they're very. Uh, loosely touched on when it showed him picking up a couple yeah, of Yeah, no,
1: I thought I've heard of that myself as well. Um, we also have in Australia, oh, geez, Uluru Airs Rock. People used to be able to climb up that and there were, they just got so much pollution up there um, on that rock and it uh, really um, insulted the aboriginals, um, you know, of, of the land. So they, I guess yeah. people aren't allowed to climb it anymore. And it, it just reminded me of that when I saw uh Jason Clark picking up the rubbish you know and i thought that was such a really good little detail there they didn't need to go into that much but it registered so much in my mind just from seeing that little scene how much he cares for the environment of it's respectful its respe- yeah. absolutely and you get a sense of the commercialism that's opened up that uh, that jason clark character and all the other climbers how they they got to the top they can bring other people to the top and now you can see okay this is where everest is headed now until almost like a disneyland sort of thing like this is just the starting point of it where they're going to probably build bridges now and so forth well i
0: mean there's it's a difficult place to build bridges. but yeah, <laughs> You know you those yeah. Um, ladder system. Yeah, the yeah. ladder system. The continuity for me. A couple of times, I noticed like a change of shots. The ice on their beanies and stuff wouldn't match, and and it was impossible to make it match. I'm sure, and they probably did as close as they could to matching it. But there were a few times I noticed, you know, they go from a close up to a mid shot or something, and the ice on the beanie would be different, and I would just be like, "Oh well, <laughs> that's taken me out of it a little bit," but. It was all very minor stuff. I love it Um, how there was,
1: like... Again, it didn't fall into the typical disaster movie. I'm sure... I I just feel like if it was done by a Hollywood... A typical Hollywood director... We'd have all these crazy moments. Like, there was no social villain in this movie. I thought Josh Brolin was going to be that social villain. Like, was going to cause some issue up ahead. Like, no one was the villain here. Even the South African who defied Jason Clarke's request... That they all work together. So you know, they, they can schedule it better so they're not all lining up at the ladder and he defies him, you think, oh, maybe he might be a villain. No, he's in fact a really good guy who tries to go back and saves them, which costs them, you know, their life. And when... um. Josh Brolin tries to cross that ladder and then um, a a kind of avalanche um, falls next to him and he slips on the ladder and then Jason Clark has to go out to help him. That would have been a mini action sequence with music going and, you know, um, Jason Clark running to the rescue. Instead, it's just treated as a matter of fact. And that's what I really loved about this movie. Again, it's bare bones. A man on a mission film. This group of people try to go up a mountain and bad things happen. And I love everything about that.
0: And I liked that there was this constant feeling of like impending doom. There was constantly the shots of the storm was just in the distance, or you know, we got to go now. You know, the thing that I didn't love was the way people would say, "Hey, come down with us," and then like uh, Beck Weathers' character, Josh Brolin, would say, "Nah," and then everyone would a- always go, "Your
1: call." You yeah. know, I, I-, I don't Everyone's think they saying- had the strength to lift him up. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but, like, your call shouldn't have really been the way that things were handled. Someone should have said, no, this is what we're doing. I don't know. That that got me. I suppose I I was you kind of hoping against hope that people can survive, but, I mean, I went in knowing and watching for the mistakes, I suppose, which led to each person's demise. Did you feel the same sort of swell of pride when they made it,
1: or um, was... I have a confession. I went to the bathroom just before they got to the top. And um, when I came back, Jake Gyllenhaal touches the mountain. He goes, yeah, made it. You know, and I'm like, gosh, (laughs) damn it.
0: (laughs) Well, just to fill you in, there was a big uh, swell of music and they, you know, patting each other on the back and taking some photos and, you know, everybody's happy and like arms around each other and stuff. And it's like the real calm before the storm.
1: Did the Asian girl make it to the top? Yeah. She did? Okay.
0: Yeah, and and he said, seven summits, and I'm so proud of you, and it was all very emotional. Matter of time, really, because that storm hits, Doug's gone, then Harold, played by Martin Henderson, he's trying to take off his clothes because he thinks he's really hot, yeah, he slips and That's falls. one of the
1: freakiest things I hear about when people get into hypothermia, like, stra- their body just... Eventually um fails, I guess is the word. It just fails to all the senses go, and you think you're hot, and the body just has to get rid of all its clothing before you die. And it's just that to me just terrifies me that you get to a point where your body just breaks down, just doesn't work anymore, and weird things like that happen. Oh, the poor guy. That is so sad.
0: Oh, I mean, in a way, you say there was no villain but Everest is supposed to be its own character. Yeah,
1: there's a line in it that um, in the end, the mountain always wins or Sonic like that, you know. Makes its own weather. Makes its own weather, makes its own rules, you know.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, Everest itself is kind of the villain. Yeah, look, I mean, it's all about conquering the mountain. It's one of those, it's one of the wonders of the world, really. And as I said, a select few are going to do it. Uh, You know, you're in a bar, you're talking, somebody says they've, climbed Mount Everest, that's like an amazing achievement. People who climb Mount Everest can then, you know, obviously write a book about it, be a motivational speaker. There's like, you know, it changes your life, I'm sure. Also, it got me thinking, like, they didn't tell their wives, you know, necessarily. Uh, Beck Weathers didn't tell his wife, which is played by Robin Wright. And Keira Knightley, you know, knew that Rob Hall was climbing You know, Kieran Atlee's character, Jan, knew that Rob Hall was climbing the mountain even though she's pregnant with his baby and there's all this risk involved, but it's their passion. So it's kind of like, you know, their women understand that this is, well, except for John Hawkes, who's divorced, his character, they kind of understand their passion and therefore like letting them pursue their passion even if it leads to their death
1: yeah i got that with jake gyllenhaal as well although i didn't get much of his backstory or his relationships but he he was a guy that just fell in love with what he did and he was you know um he was going to die there and i think in a dark sense he knew that was going to happen like um mm. he was really sick and should have turned around but there was just sonic in him that yeah, no this i understand what's happening my body's failing but i i gotta keep going with this
0: yeah well you mean they climb it that many times or whatever so you sort of know Yeah, but it's kind of it's one of those things too where you know you look at Siegfried and Roy right and you say okay they're taming lions uh, tigers whatever and you can kind of put odds on whether or not they'll ever be attacked by the the tigers you know and the odds you would think would be that they would eventually be attacked for me it's kind of like the same thing you know the more risk or the risk increases, rather, the more times you do this dangerous thing. If you're trying to catch a bullet coming out of a gun, you know, eventually you're going to get shot, aren't you? I mean, or catch an arrow or whatever, you know, you're doing this dangerous thing over and over again that sort of they try and acclimatize themselves to, but there's no way to be perfect at it. Like, it makes its own weather and it's unpredictable and things change and they have to adapt and it's life and death. If your hobby is uh, not podcasting, And he's putting you in life and death situations. I mean, this is the thing. This is what happens.
1: Don't you think it was weird how the ladder was just long enough for that crevasse? Like, can't they get a bigger ladder? Like, a really massive one? I think
0: that, I mean, they'd measure it out. They'd sort of go, it's this many ladders. And then they'd kind of fix it to things at either end i would think that it would be like ladders would be at a premium everything's really heavy up there so they sort of do the most they need to for it to be secure i don't know it supported two people so you know how um icebergs like sometimes shift i was more worried that like the ice on the mountain would shift and then uh the ladder would just kind of no longer be secure or or just fall trapping them i suppose but there were also ropes and stuff around it so i mean you can't really tell what kind of pulley system they've got going on there
1: i'm assuming the south africans had made it just before jason clark and jake gyllenhaal's team had got up there what's the deal like did the south africans go the same route like how did they get past the part where jake gyllenhaal oh sorry where um jason clark had to wait so long for new ropes to be attached uh i couldn't tell you um so they didn't explain that in the book or you just can't remember
0: Well, I'm just trying to remember, but didn't two or three of them like pass them on the way back down?
1: I can't remember. Do you mean there was a bottleneck? Maybe.
0: Um, I can't remember exactly, but I I don't know if they made the summit or not.
1: Again, I went to the bathroom around there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I can't recall. There was a part where some some people were going down past them, and they said, "You know, weather's turning or whatever. We're not going to be able to do it," and they were giving up, like. People were making calls, you know. Uh, they were up on the mountain, and they were saying, "No, nah, give up." It's interesting. Like I, I, I really enjoyed the the postman Doug his whole backstory. Yeah, how he was inspiring people, and
1: yeah, he well the, those characters were given those moments to allow you um, to get to know them, and especially with Josh Brolin's character with his wife and his kids, and it shows you a brief flashback of his wife and his kids, and his wife telling him to get up to um, uh, Josh Boland's character and he gets up and that's like his inspiration to find his way back to the camp and he loses his nose, a few of his fingers and things like that Um, i wish they gave you that sort of same similar sort of detail to the others as well that was the only fault in this movie i I felt because um you say doug you say josh boland i I understand those characters but if you say the asian character you say the south african character i'm like oh yeah those characters yeah i guess it was pretty sad how they died you know i didn't feel that uh, as much for them as i did for the uh, for the other characters
0: fair enough uh, as I said, I got more detail from the book, yeah. so it sort of it went a bit deeper. But uh, it's fair enough. Um, if you took this film and you replaced all the actors with unknowns, do you think it would be better or worse?
1: I think it will be worse because, again, the, each character wasn't given enough time for you to get to know their backstory. So because you were with these great actors who brought so much to the role, um, like especially Kira Knightley, she just had such a great presence... Um, in that role, Emily Watson, fantastic as well. And so if you had nobodies, I don't think they would have carried the same weight and you wouldn't have cared for them as much. So I think it was very important that they did surround this film with an elite cast.
0: Yeah, I think Jason Clarke did really well, as I said. I I didn't care for him in Terminator and uh, I probably could have taken him or, le- or left him in... Um, that key scene was Apes. when...
1: Um, that he goes. You have to turn back, Doug, and Doug goes. No, I don't want to come back here a third time to, to John Hawkes' character, and he agrees to go, knowing the dangers of what they're about to do and there's that great moment you just see it all in jason clark's performance within his eyes and everything like that it's a really terrific moment and he decides okay let's do this and he takes a photo puts it all back and goes come on we gotta go and he refuses to leave he's constantly dragging him you know it's just such a great character
0: Mm. well i mean it was right there he probably you know he was saying he could have run it (laughs) you know why, why didn't you do it? And he's like, I think about that all the time. And he didn't want that regret in his life. If he'd gone back, he'd be working his three jobs. He'd be his postman. He just wouldn't have done it. It wouldn't have been that thing that he'd achieved. And I don't know, I suppose it's like, um, Josh Brolin's character, Beck says, you know, when he's at home, it's like this dark cloud of depression or whatever, following him, you know, he doesn't feel reborn like he does on the mountain so it must it's must be this feeling and i think it's probably about fulfillment in your own life because i don't know about yourself and you know maybe i'm generalizing but if i feel some fulfillment in my own life maybe i'm not seeking that adventure uh outside of the norm There's a chance you know in the future i will want to you know i don't know extreme sport or whatever but risking my life at this stage just seems ridiculous
1: josh uh Brolin is the tough Texan and you know it's just so displayed on that final march when he gets up and he's just walking Uh, it's so it's almost so fake and unbelievable and then when you discover at the end that actually happened you're just like wow he really is a tough Texan you know (laughs) to get to rise from the dead and to get up quarter blind and to walk back into camp that's amazing
0: I felt really sorry for the The female doctor who's it was her first time up there that that was her first expedition you know all of them having to listen to the keira knightley jason clark phone relay scene uh they're all crying you know and it was just like if
1: he had if jason clark had just left doug there right away and just goes look i'll come back with the oxygen tank there's a good chance he could have survived that's the thing that gets me but he was just like i can't leave him there and then when he does decide to go i gotta go it's too late
0: yeah i just that's all feels like it's been done for the movie though because we don't know we wouldn't know he probably did say to them over the radio doug's gone and then he was trapped there but all the abreast is you know fiction like sure they've got to they've got to put in those scenes and lines to make the movie make sense but we'll never know Um, i thought sam
1: worthington's character was going to go up there because he comes back down, he just like right. I don't Be a hero. He do- yeah, all he does is hold the radio. I'm just like, well, um, you know, Emily Watson could have done that. Mm. But it was really cold up there in his defense. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it was just such a weird character. Like, he was there spotting them. He goes, right, it's all right, I'm coming, I'm coming. You know, and I'm like, okay, he's coming and he sits down, he's on the radio, just like, what's he going to do? He just suggested get his wife on the phone. If there's anyone who can push him to go, it's her. And he's just like, okay, that's a great suggestion, but again, who are you? <laughs> it's like that Spock character in the uh, monorail episode in Simpsons. He goes, well, it looks like my work here is done, but you didn't do anything, and he just transports out of there. Sort of reminds me oh, of Oh, didn't I? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sam Worthington, he was part of an ensemble cast here. I suppose it's an interesting role and probably, you know, decent paycheck, and they're probably, you know an easy enough time bit of an experience but he didn't have to be front and center and he wasn't look i didn't mind him being in the film we've talked shit about sam worthington in the past so (laughs) you know i was happy enough with what he did here yeah Uh, I, i
1: i just feel um weird how like he was such a main star after avatar and clash of the titans and and this film just proves how far He's gone down on the list, so to speak. Like, he's not the main guy anymore. So that was just shocking to me. Oh, Sam Worthington's in this. Okay, cool, he's going to save the day, right? And he does, and I'm like, oh, well, all right.
0: <laughs> I suppose it's not a Hollywood movie, so...
1: That's what I... That, again, that's what I loved about Everest. That, that, that's yeah everything that a typical disaster i I wish i saw san Andreas. so i can keep comparing it like because we've had two big massive disaster movies this year with everest being one and of course san andreas being the other and um you know i'd like to compare the differences because i'm sure um san andreas has all the hollywood cliches that we're talking about and everest is the exact opposite
0: yeah you're probably right (laughs) (laughs) just going off the trailer I thought maybe Jake Gyllenhaal was going for an Oscar here like uh, the supporting character based on a real person real story Um, if the whole movie has Oscar buzz maybe you know Gyllenhaal going for a supporting actor nomination but his role seemed to be too small, you know. He was more of a featured player. And, and Jake
1: Gyllenhaal, he throws himself into roles. I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, climbed a huge mountain. Not necessarily Everest, but in preparation for this movie. And it'll just be heartbreaking to know if a lot of those key scenes um, were just on the cutting room floor. And we get a three-hour cut on Blu-ray or something. I'll just be like, oh, that's so harsh. <laughs>
0: I mean, like you say, they had a couple of hours. It was just over two-hour runtime, and I mean, there's only so much they can develop. I didn't think it was necessary to show us that stuff at the beginning and then, say, six weeks earlier or six months earlier or whatever it was.
1: You know, just start the film. Yeah, and, I, I completely agree.
0: Uh, we know we're going to Everest. Like it, it was actually exact repetition of shots as well when we got to it again. The thing that haunted me a little bit was that Jan, who is Kira Knightley's character... Uh, she is also a climber. You know, there was that line he says where you, me and Sarah will all climb together. So she's also a climber and she went on to climb Everest after his death. I wondered, like, I mean, I'm guessing his body would have been covered up by then, but would she have sort of been looking for his body at the same time? It's the same path. You can sort of imagine that she'd be sort of keeping one eye open for it. That would be a horrible experience.
1: Uh, did Why did they show the picture of his daughter at the end just to show that she's grown up all healthy i
0: suppose i was wondering that as well she's not really a part of the story in that she's not yeah it's just such a weird shot
1: the daughter today i'm like okay yeah um, it was jarring i could have just pictured that like you know like after it was just so weird just to show her
0: well, it just had her name as well. It didn't say, you know, she's now whatever age because you've got to add it up yourself. And every year it will change. So they just were like, and here's her name. Yeah, it was odd. Um, I didn't really like that either. I did like the final shot being Jason Clark frozen on the side of the mountain yeah. because that's haunting it, yeah. it is
1: it that it's it's really sad and as you say it's very haunting and i don't know if this movie is going to encourage people like challenge people go yeah i'm going to climb everest you know or is it going to just terrify people to never ever attempting that i think you'll it's polarizing and i'll probably do both uh what oscars you said this has got oscar buzz what oscars do you see this film being at least nominated for
0: i think people are saying best picture because there are 10 you know so it's like a combined everything i don't think directing probably not music not really screenplay but probably adapted screenplay because as well probably yeah dop would be an option but adapted screenplay because it's adapted from a book or many books you know it's not an original story so that's i don't know what other adapted screenplays there are this year i mean jason clark for me was the standout acting performance yeah so i thought he did a good job but Kira knightley for supporting actress yeah, she, she filmed all she it.
1: was very, yeah like she didn't wasn't given a lot of time but the brief moments she had she was fantastic knocked it out of the park and we talk up Kira knightley heavily in our dangerous method podcast the cronenberg film where we just thought wow you know she's willing she wants to be an actress you know she isn't just a pretty face she is an actress
0: yeah, so i mean, for Supporting Actress. She filmed all her scenes in six days. So it's this little bit part, but... And this easily could be buried, pardon the pun, I suppose, like in all the other films that are coming out. And there are a lot of them so, so you're happy
1: with the adaptation of the book like you felt wow that's a really good adaptation because you obviously the book had such an impression on, on you that when you saw the film being made you were like wow I'm, I'm gonna look forward to that and you put that in our upcoming podcast how do you feel like was it adapted well
0: it was yeah um anything you would have done different? Gave, um i suppose the writer of the book john krakauer he, he just sort of turns up there's none of his backstory. Uh, but he also had climbing experience and no one ever asked him about that. He'd done a bunch of climbs and that's why he was chosen for the assignment, I suppose, because he probably pitched the the story and was like, hey, I want to, you know, write this story about Everest and I'm going to climb it and we'll do it for the magazine and blah, blah, blah. But it was just like, oh, we got that writer from that magazine. You know, there was nothing of his story, which obviously features in the book because, you know, he talks about himself. But uh, I felt like his character was really reduced. And I know it's not just based on his account, but probably somebody could have asked him at some stage, you know, ever done any climbing, John? And he could have said, yeah, actually, you know, he hasn't just done his research, he's also done the training and he had, you know, some experience to talk about. Look, other than that, it covered the big stuff uh, and it had that same feeling that I had from the book. So um, it was all about the exact same characters. It was about, you know, uh, what is it, adventure climbing, or whatever the group is called. I feel like I wrote it down somewhere. Adventure Consultants, yes. It was about those characters. It was about that group. It was about that incident in 1996. And I feel like it refreshed my memory of the book that I'd read. Yeah, it reminded me of all the stuff. And it was years ago that I read it. I just thought it would have made a great film. So John Krakauer has also written Into the Wild, which Sean Penn directed as Into a Film and uh, Emile Hirsch starred in, which is a pretty good movie if you're looking for something else of his work. Um, again, based on real events, uh, about somebody who is heading up to Canada, who, he's a really interesting character. He decides to donate all the money he has and everything, and he's like, you know, f- feed the hungry, gives it to charity, drives his car and basically disappears, and he doesn't want his family to find him. But before that, he, like, finishes his degree, and he ticks all the boxes for his parents, and he does all the stuff they wanted him to do and then he goes off and does what he wants to do after he graduates like straight away and they don't know where he is and then he keeps a diary and everything it's really interesting he goes off and does all these like american things and he wants to go up to canada and you know hunt and live and disappear into the wild as the title suggests another good one it was really well directed as well by sean penn um you haven't seen that one have you lloyd
1: i have I was about to say um, one of the key lines at the end, but I don't want to spoil it just in case people haven't seen it.
0: Nah, we won't spoil (laughs) it. You can tell me off air. October's a big month for us, Lloyd. I thought we would uh, plug it now. There's something that you wanted to cover off on this podcast and we're going to spend all of October doing it. I'm going to let you break the news.
1: Well, guys, you know there's a big fat subject in movies that um, a lot of hardcore people are very disappointed in and I'm talking about video games being adapted into movies. And usually these movies are terrible. In fact, as it stands, there hasn't been a movie rated over fifty or 50% on Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. Um, of a movie adapted from a video game so dave and i have decided to dedicate all of october to video game movie month we're going to tackle as much as we can on video games um, we're going to do podcasts we're going to do video reviews um talk we're going to talk about um you know movies of the 90s and um of the you know the naughties that have been adapted from video games into movies good or bad which ones are the worst which ones are the best and then we're going to talk about upcoming video game um movie adaptations so which look very very promising and i can't wait to sink our teeth into this it's going to be awesome
0: look you guys can follow us on uh, facebook.com slash podme if you can you can suggest your video game movie adaptations there uh, and you can follow our YouTube channel. You can find all the links at podmeifyoucan.com. Uh, October is going to be a big month for us, so uh, check it out. Follow the stories, and um, we'll talk to you in October with many a video game movie adaptation. Thanks very much for listening to Everest.
1: Hit it! Ooh. Thank you for listening. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com me If You Can. Movie Reviews.